Well, good morning. I trust that your heart has been ministered through those songs. Beautiful singing today. Let me also, as Pastor Pete said, just show my appreciation for you and your faithfulness. I was reminded again uh, this week that we live in Minnesota. People ask me, Lee, why would you leave South Africa with the white sand beaches and the Indian Ocean with moderate climate, golf weather all year round, and come to Minnesota? And I said, it's only because of God. It's the only reason. But it was good to see that first snowfall and to see God's beauty and what God is doing. And I appreciate a pastor this morning giving me the opportunity to stand here before you and just open up God's Word. I'm going to invite you this morning to open up to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I want to draw your attention to the first six verses. And it says this, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, He sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these beautiful songs that were sung, songs that have already ministered to my heart. As we think of what Christ has done, A beautiful song, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. Father, we realize that it's only because of Christ and His love and grace and mercy that we stand here this morning singing praise for what He has done. Reminded of what David said, When he said, as the heart panteth forth the water, so my soul longeth after you to see your power and glory. And Father, that's what all of us need this morning. Not just a good message, but to see you high and lifted up so that our faith may be strengthened, our love may grow, our devotion may intensify, that Christ might be honored. And so, Father, this morning we give it to you, realizing that human words can fall straight to the ground, but your word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Reach now into our souls and open our eyes to what you have for us. And, Father, we'll make sure that you receive 
all praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. It was a number of years ago when we were in South Africa on a Sunday morning, much like this morning. And the congregation was full and we were singing a song. And that song, the title of that song was God Makes No Mistakes. The chorus of that song goes like this. I know God makes no mistakes. He leads in every path I take. Along the way, that's leading me to home. Though at times my heart would break, there's a purpose in every change he makes so that others would see my life and know that God makes no mistakes. When we had finished that song, we had a lady who had been visiting for about three weeks and she was sitting in the second row And in the midst of the congregation, in the midst of everyone, she cried out for all to hear, I don't believe that. Now, I've never been in a setting where in the middle of a church service, someone cried out and said, I don't believe that. So right there in the middle of everyone, I asked her, Why do you say that? Why do you not believe that? And with tears in her eyes, she began to talk about how a year previous, she watched as her daughter for six months slowly died of cancer. And she could not understand why God would allow that. So I told her, I said, why don't you let me come over to your house? We begin to counsel her. And as I thought through this lady's response and her speaking out in the congregation, she verbalized honestly many times what I think we feel when we're going through the seasons of darkness, hurts and trials, And the doubts that begin to arise in our hearts. Some of those questions. God, are you really there? Are you really in control? Are you really powerful? Can I depend and trust on you through this? Am I really your child whom you love? These are questions that I've heard, questions that maybe at times in my heart when going through trials, these arrows maybe have penetrated my mind. And so as I was walking and dealing and counseling with this lady through this time, the question that I asked, and I believe that this text answers in part, is how do I perceive God? How can I see God? in seasons of darkness. And we now come to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 is a huge transitional chapter in the book because now opposition and doubts begin to arise in the book. And what you find here, right from the beginning, 
is it's not Jesus' opponents that are doubting, but it's actually one of His faithful servants, John the Baptist. Now, just quickly, let me give you, I think, three words that I think will help us to understand this text, to hang this text in place. The first word is the word doubt. The second word is the word assurance. And then the third word is the word encouragement. So let's look at the doubt. Look at, once again, verse 2. It says, Now when Jesus had heard, or when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. And now if you're like I am, as you're reading your Bible through, there's times where you come to a verse and you're stunned by what is said. And you go back and go, was that really what that just said? And that's one of these verses, verse 3. And he said unto him, to Jesus, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And I come to that verse and I say, did, did I really just hear that right? John the Baptist? Who is John the Baptist? Think back with me when you come into your Old Testament book. The last book in your Old Testament is the book of Malachi. There in that book, we are promised that a prophet would come before the Messiah. When you end in Malachi chapter 4, there is 400 years before we come to our Gospels. Those 400 years are what is called the silent years. And the reason they are called the silent years is because God does not speak through a messenger or through a prophet for 400 years. And finally, after 400 years, we are told about a man in the book of Luke who is a priest, a very godly man, an elderly man, whose lot falls upon him to go into the temple and to burn incense. And while he was in the temple, as he was lighting these incense, and you can just imagine as he turned around, there he saw the glory of one of the angels, Gabriel. And God is going to shatter the 400 years of silence by speaking through his angel. And he tells Zechariah, he says, Zechariah, the time for the Messiah has come and you're going to have a son who's going to prepare the way for him. And his name shall be called John. I can just only imagine as John is born, mom and dad begin to raise him. Maybe one day around the age of four or five, and mom says to little Johnny, hey John, it's time for bed. Go get ready for bed. And John says, hey, can I have one more story before bedtime? And his dad takes him up into his arms and sits him on his lap and says, what would you like to hear? And he says, Daddy, can you tell me the story again of when the angel came and talked to you? Zechariah, with a smile on his face, begins to 
remember that account. It says the time of the Messiah has come. And, and John, you have a great responsibility before you. And John would have been prepared from a young age to be the one who foreruns before the Messiah until finally Jesus or God calls John the Baptist to begin his ministry in the wilderness. And here you see a man who's as bold as a lion, bold in his proclamations. You remember when the Pharisees came out to him and he says, you vipers, the axe is ready to be laid upon you. God is about ready to baptize with fire. Judgment is coming. Then one day, Jesus comes. John baptized Jesus. And right before John, here comes the Holy Spirit in the shape of a dove. And the voice of God saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the next day, John says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Now you come to this passage. And John is saying, are you really the one? Or did I miss it? Now here's a question I want us to ask. What leads? To John's doubts. There are two reasons why doubts creep up in John's heart, and they're the same reasons that creep up in our heart, or reasons why doubt creeps. Here's the first one He's going through a difficult situation, a hardship. Where is John at this time? John is in prison about five miles south of Jerusalem. He's in a dungeon in Herod's palace. And if you recall, the reason he's in prison is because he was preaching against Herod, divorcing his wife and marrying his brother's wife, Herodias. So he's in prison for doing what is right. I'll never forget a number of years ago, I, I worked with a man back when I was 18 years old, a man who had spent uh, much time in jail. And as we were talking, I said, so tell me a little about jail. He goes, oh, I like jail. I said, really? I go, why do you like jail? He says, well, I get a, a bed that's warm. I get three meals a day. I got a place where I can go lift weights. And my friends and I play cards regularly. So for him, it was like a regular weekend retreat. But that was not the case for John. John is in a dungeon. If you've ever seen those old movies where they're thrown in the dungeon, possibly shackled, cold and damp, and unless someone comes and provides some kind of food, you're dependent on whatever the guards give you, the slop they give you. And you can imagine the first day that John is in there and his hope that hopefully he'll get out soon. And finally another day and days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months. 
And then the questions begin to arise in his heart. God, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Have I not been obeying you? Have I not been pointing people to your son? Did I miss something? I think not only does that happen in John's life, but many times in our lives, right? As you go through seasons of hurts, seasons of trials, and day after day, you're crying out, God, what's going on? It's at those moments the arrows of doubts begin to be flung at you. So he was going through difficult situations. He was also going through unfulfilled expectations. So not just hardships, but expectations that have not been fulfilled. What was John expecting to happen? You go back to John's message. What has he been preaching? The Old Testament hope was someday that a Messiah, a Christ, would come. When this Messiah would come, he would execute judgment, establish righteousness upon the earth. And that's what these Old Testament prophecies... So John the Baptist is preaching that a baptism of fire is coming. God's righteousness is coming. And yet, here he is in prison. Where are these expectations that he thought was going to come? What I love about the Bible is that not only does the Bible give us the strengths of the characters, but it also gives us the weaknesses of the characters. I mean, just think back in your Bible. Who else had times of doubts? Remember the story of Elijah? One moment on Mount Carmel facing 450 prophets, calls fire down from God. Next moment, rumor is Jezebel's trying to kill him. He runs. He says, God, kill me. God says, why are you here, Elijah? God tells God, I've been zealous for your name, and yet I only remain. I've been working for you, and yet everything I expected to happen, revival to come, and yet I only remain. And God, in essence, tells Elijah, Elijah, you don't know what I'm doing. I'm working behind the scenes in the way that you don't understand. Think of that small little book in your Bible, Habakkuk. Here's the prophet crying out to God, he sees the wickedness of Israel and says, God, why are you not sending judgment? And God responds to Habakkuk, I am going to send judgment. I'm going to send the Babylonians. And Habakkuk says, what? God, do you not know who these Babylonians are? They're more wicked than we are. How could you use them? And God says to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I'm working in ways you don't understand. 
And he says to Habakkuk, remember Habakkuk, the righteous, the just, shall live by faith. Press on. And as I read those accounts, and I read John the Baptist and Elijah, Habakkuk, I find many times that I'm no different than these men. You're praying and expecting. Those expectations don't happen. You're going through the hardships. You say, God, what's, what's going on? But I want you to notice what Jesus does to assure John. And that's the second point, the assurance. How does Jesus help John to perceive him or become aware of him? in the times of darkness. Look at what Jesus says in verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go show John again those things which you, and look at these two words, hear and see. So, John, if you're going to perceive what I'm doing in the times of darkness, listen and see. I want to show you what Jesus does. He says in verse 4, look at verse 4. Then answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. Verse 5, The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, did you notice what Jesus just did there? Jesus actually quotes two Old Testament passages. He quotes Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6, and he quotes Isaiah 61, verse 1. So when, when Jesus is going to assure John, the first thing he does to assure him is he says, Hey, John, hear the word of God. What does God's word say? And he quotes these verses or alludes to these two verses that John would have known and they speak of the wonderful works that the Messiah is going to do when he comes. And so in essence, what Jesus does is he grounds John's faith in the word of God. Remember what Paul said? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Folks, we have to remember that this is not just another book. This is a God-breathed-out book that's alive and powerful and brings life and faith. Remember that our faith is never stagnant. Your faith is either being strengthened or being weakened primarily by your response and relationship to the Word of God. 
Now, you know what I've seen, folks, over the years? In my own life, and in the life of our church on three different continents, three different countries, I have found many times that when I am going through times of trials and temptations and doubts and discouragements, when the hurts come and the lean times come and the disappointment comes, I found when other people are going through that, that one of the temptations, is to pull away from God and His Word. And that is the exact opposite of what we should do. Because God's Word is meant to nourish our souls so that we can grow. That's why you have to be in the Word of God. There's times when we're going through trials and, and I don't want to get into the Word of God. I want to go hide and I have to preach to myself. I have to instruct myself, Lee, go open up God's Word. And many times, as I do that, His Word ministers strength to me. And I'm able to go step by faith, step by faith, through that darkness. Sometimes when people are going through trials, they want to leave the ministry of the Word. You ever been so discouraged? Sunday morning rolls around and you're like, I just don't want to go. I want to stay in bed. Trials are hitting me. Hurts are hitting me. And I would tell our people, understand that I have spent 20 hours preparing a meal for you. God wants to nourish you. And I can tell you over and over in the 22 years of ministry, how many people afterwards came up to me and said, I didn't want to come this morning, but I am so glad I did. That is exactly what I needed. So Jesus says to John, hey, remember those, those passages, John? These works that I'm going to do, and he ministers to his heart by the word of God. Something else Jesus does. Read again verse 4, or verse 5, verse 4 and 5. Look at what he says. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. Now what is he to see? The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So not only, John, am I going to assure you by hearing the word of God, but also by seeing the work of God. Jesus is saying, hey, John, I want you to hear the word and I want you to test whether it corresponds to the work that I am doing. And folks, I think this is important just to point out that Jesus here is focusing on the present. Go and show John right now what I am doing. 
He doesn't go back to the past. Hey, Johnny, remember that experience you had? I mean, Jesus could have easily said, hey, hey, John, do you remember after you baptized me and then the next day I was walking, you said, a year and a half ago, you said, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Did you really believe that when you said it? Because if you did, you're okay. But if you didn't, you're not. He says, you go and you tell John what I am doing right now. And so here's the question. And this is good practice for me. It's good practice for you when someone is doubting. What is God doing in your life right now? Let me just give two passages. The first one is Romans chapter 8. And let's just turn over there very quickly. Romans chapter 8. Paul is dealing with the issue in this chapter with suffering and hurts and pains. And look at what he says. Look at verse... Let's start at verse 15. Paul says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry what? Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be you suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. So here you are going through suffering. The Spirit of God is living within you. And at the time when you're going through suffering, and you who... You who've gone through this, you know what this is like, right? You're walking on the journey of earth. Everything is going good. Life seems to be going good. And all of a sudden, you get that call. This is so-and-so. Um, we would like you to come to the doctor's office tomorrow. The test is back. And as soon as you hear that call, what's happening in your heart? God, what's going on? God, Father, why? That little word, Abba, is the, is the very first words that a little baby speak. It means Papa, Daddy. And in your life, when something happens, because you are a child of God, there is this, this reaction of your spiritual nature where you're going, Daddy, Daddy, what's going on? It's the work of the Spirit. And then Paul begins to talk about how we go through that suffering and those trials and what begins to happen in our hearts. We begin to long for Jesus to come back. And you've gone through the hurts and trials. I used to ask high school kids many years ago, are you hoping that Jesus comes back today? Do you know what their response is? Yeah. Yeah. I, 
you know, I kind of want to get married. I want to drive. I want to have kids. And they list it off. Now ask someone who's gone through years and years of hurts and trials. Would it be great if Jesus came back today? Tears come. Yeah. One of the evidences of the Holy Spirit at work, crying, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, and oh, come home quickly. I look forward to when there's no more sin, no more cancer, no more death. Probably the hardest thing for me as a pastor is going and holding a loved one's hand, crying with them as they're watching their loved one die. And I've told my wife many times, I hate sin. I hate death. Jesus, come. One of the ways. Another passage you could look at, and I'm not going to go to it for sake of time. You could go to first six through eight, another work that God is doing. We have a whole book written on the work of God in a believer's life. That book is first John. And so Jesus says to John back in Matthew. Go tell John what you hear. Here's my word. Go tell John what you see. Here's what I'm doing right now in your life. And then lastly, Jesus gives a word of encouragement. Look at verse 6. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. Hey, John, I don't believe it's a warning because you're going to read this passage later and what Jesus is doing is he's admonishing John. He's praising John. So I think this is kind of like one of those words. Here's what I want you to say to John in the time of his hurt. John, at the end of the day, John, when all of the books are open and the accounts are settled, blessed or happy is the man that just holds on to me. John, keep your eyes fixed. You don't understand what's happening. And what did John not fully understand? What did the Old Testament prophets not fully understand? They did not understand the cross. They talked about it. They wrote about it. But they, they, they did not fully understand it. And what John is going to learn now that he's in heaven, and what we know, is that the way in which God was going to execute judgment 
And the way in which God was going to establish righteousness was through this Jesus, whom John asked, are you the one dying on a cruel cross for your sins and mine? Because there on the cross, God's judgment was poured out for sins. And because of the cross, His righteousness is given to us because of Christ. And so John, Jesus says to John, hey, hold on. Keep your eyes fixed. I don't think it's an accident that in this chapter, Jesus ends this chapter, or actually this part of our Bible, with verse 28. Just look at chapter 11, 28. Speaking of John, then the disbelief, then he cries out, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A song that we used to sing regularly in our church in South Africa, it's one of my favorite songs, is I Run to Christ. That's the title, I Run to Christ. And here's one of the stanzas. It says, I run to Christ when worn by life and find my soul refreshed. Come unto me, he calls through strife. Fatigue gives way to rest. So in the times of darkness, hurts, how do we perceive God? Hear His Word, see His work, and run to Him. Run to Christ. Maybe you're here today, and as you heard, you, in your soul, you know you're lost in your sin. Christ's invitation, if you will receive it, is come to me. I know many of you are going through trials. Some of you are going through that I don't know about. And Once again, the invitation that Christ gives is come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story. Thank you for a man like John the Baptist, who, Father, we see not only his strengths and his boldness, but also his weaknesses. The human weaknesses that we have, that I have. And yet, Father, you long to assure us. So, Father, help us to have ears to hear. Help us, Father, to have eyes to see. Father, help us to have feet to run continually to Christ. Father, if there's one here this morning and they have never bowed their heart by faith to Jesus Christ, this morning would you work in their heart and draw them. And Father, for the rest who are going through trials, help us just to take that next step of faith. 
keeping our eyes on you. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.